0: Hello and welcome to Thoughts from the Bible. I am Adam Zander and have been serving as a missionary in Romania for over a decade. Join me every week as we look at simple thoughts from the Bible to help us in our daily walk with Christ and our relationships with our fellow man. Hello once again from Romania. I hope your day is going well. I would like us to continue with our series of messages from the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is one of my favorite books. It is an encouraging book that every child of God should read and study. Last week, we looked at the victory in the life of the believer. Today, we will look at the fourth message found in this book. We will look at our Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Philippians. Some of this will be similar to what we have already looked at, but much of it will be new. We are going to look at Christ, our life, Christ our example, Christ our righteousness, and Christ our rejoicing. First today, let's look at Christ our life. I like this first point. Christ is our life. He should be everything to us. This is something I believe we will have to work on until He comes and takes us home to heaven. Our natural tendency is to make our life about ourselves, our family, or some other cause or pain. Passion. But what about Christ? Is he your life? Let's read again Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The Bible says for me to live is Christ. True living is living for Christ. The book of Colossians states this very well. Let's read Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye shall also appear with Him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Verse 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. God the Father is our Creator. He gave us physical life. Christ has given us spiritual life and eternal physical life. So, in a very real sense, Christ is our life. Without His sacrifice on the cross, we would be dead in our sins. And without hope in this world, He is our life. Let's look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Christ died for us and has given us life. When we were not the children of God, we had our life and walked according to this world. That is all we knew. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2 and 3 that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. So that was our life before Christ saved us. Because He is our life, we should be willing to live for Him and make Him the priority in our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So first today, Christ is our life, or I should say, He should be our life. He should be first in our life. He should be the priority. Second today, we find Christ, our example, in Philippians chapter 2. We have looked at this many times already, but we will look at it again, this time just a little bit differently. We saw how Christ should be our life, that is, the center of our life, and the true source of our joy and satisfaction. We have looked before how He is our example in having a servant's heart, humility, and obedience. But let's look at how He did this today. First, He became a man. He left the glories of heaven and submitted Himself to a body of flesh and blood. He suffered as we do. He was hungry and thirsty like we are. All this he did and is an example to us in enduring suffering for the glory and purpose of God. In the Gospels, we read of his humanity and how he submitted himself not only to his heavenly Father, but to his earthly parents. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus Christ, God Himself, doing such a thing? This is the example He left us. It is a very high example to follow. Let's read about this in John chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, "'Give me to drink.'" Now, think about this for a minute. He submitted himself to a body of flesh and was thirsty. He was hungry. He was tired, just like us. That is amazing that God would do this for us. Let's read Hebrews chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. And he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obeyed him. How else is Christ our example? He did the will of the Father even when it met pain and death on the cross. Let's read about that in Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. And he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And then John chapter 5, verse 30, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father who hath sent me. Jesus is an example because He did the will of the Father even when it met pain and death on the cross. These are just two ways He was an example to us while He was here on earth. He was meek, humble, filled with the Spirit of God, came to do the will and work of the Father, was a servant, endured suffering and shame, was obedient unto death, and many other things. Christ is our example to follow. Third today, let's look at Christ our Righteousness in Philippians chapter 3. Many people attempt to please and impress God with their righteousness. They hope and pray it will be good enough to receive forgiveness of sins and a home in heaven instead of hell. Our logical mind tells us this should work, but our heart and conscience tell us we are never good enough. The guilt of sin is still there. We need something else to take our sins away and have fellowship and peace with God. That something else is the righteousness of Christ. Let's read a passage from the book of Romans that explains this. Romans chapter 3, verses 20 through 26. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus." whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus Christ. So, it is his righteousness, not our righteousness. We can never be made righteous through the law or our righteousness. Romans chapter 3 makes it clear we need the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which we receive by putting our faith in him alone. We see this again in the book of Romans chapter 4. Let's read Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertained to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt." But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And then Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let's read one more verse telling us that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Christ is our righteousness. He's the only way to become righteous in the eyes of God. Today, put your faith and trust in his righteousness to wash your sins away, not your own works or righteousness. Fourth and last today, Christ our rejoicing in Philippians chapter 4. Christ is our rejoicing. As I've mentioned many times in the last few weeks, the book of Philippians is a book of joy and rejoicing. How can we have such joy in our lives? Only through Christ. The pleasures and things of this world can give a certain amount of joy and happiness, but when troubles come, and they will, Where is the joy from all those things we bought? It is gone. However, the joy that comes through fellowship and walking with Christ never leaves us. Even when life is hard and nothing is going right, we can still have joy in Christ. Let's look at our verse from the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord alway, and again I say rejoice. We're commanded to rejoice in the Lord. Notice this verse tells us rejoice in the Lord alway. Two things. First, rejoice in the Lord. He should be our joy and rejoicing. Second, we are to rejoice always. If we are rejoicing in the Lord and not the things of this world, then the second part will be possible, rejoicing always. If the Lord is not our source of true joy, then we will not be able to rejoice always. This joy no man can take from us. Let's read John 16, verse 22. And ye now therefore have sorrow... But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Even in our tribulations, we can have joy. I know this is hard. It's hard for me at times. But when we rest in the Lord and trust in Him, we can have joy through our trials. Let's read Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. We also need to take the time and effort to worship and rejoice in our God. Romans chapter 15, verses 9 through 11, the Bible tells us and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. As it is written, For this cause I will confess thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people." So we need to take time to rejoice and praise our God. By resting and trusting in Jesus and worshiping and praising God in the bad times, we can learn to have joy always and in all things. Jesus Christ should mean more to us than anything else in life. He is our life. He is our example. He is our righteousness. And he is our rejoicing. If you do not know Jesus as your personal savior today, come to him. Admit you are a sinner in need of a savior. Come to him with a heart believing he is God and die to pay for your sins and ask him to save you. Let's read again from the book of Romans one more time. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Now thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on him to save you today before it's too late. I hope this was a help and encouragement to you today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.